At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I really want to thank Miro, one of the most useful tools. They sponsor this podcast. They are my go-to resource when it comes to working remotely and collaborating. They're also great for an office, but let me paint a picture for you. Everyone here is working from home in some capacity. Either we have peers that work from home, maybe we're part in the office, part out. Collaboration can be chaotic. Miro is the ultimate digital whiteboard and visual collaboration platform. You could be a remote team, you could be a creative agency, you could be a solopreneur. Miro allows you to brainstorm, plan, and execute seamlessly. Picture this, you're in a virtual meeting mapping out a huge project with Miro. You can drag and drop sticky notes, sketch wireframes, organize ideas all in real time. You collaborate with your team no matter where they are. This is a game changer. If you are ready to transform your workflow, you have to try Miro today. To show you how powerful it is, I created my own Miro board that you can check out at Miro.com slash success pod. It has a ton of resources for entrepreneurs, but it will also show you all the functionality of Miro. So go to Miro.com or go to Miro.com slash success pod for a ton of resources. Try Miro today. It's going to radically change how you collaborate with your team. Welcome to Lessons Episodes of Success Story, part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. These Lessons Episodes will be shorter conversations with past guests, valued members of the Success Story community, and myself. They'll be focused on teaching you actionable, insightful takeaways that you can use to upskill your personal and professional life. This is the number one reason why you can't learn from your mistakes. It's hindsight bias. Let's start with a story to paint a picture. The year is 2005. After dating your partner or your spouse for two years, you finally pop the question for marriage. All signs point towards a lifetime of happiness together. But you flash forward to 2008, you've been divorced for months. You're going to look back and you're going to tell all your friends, even in 2023, you're going to tell all your friends that it is so easy to reimagine the path that led you here. You recall all the red flags that your relationship was doomed from the start. And you can say things like, we clearly weren't right for each other. I knew deep down it would end. But in the moment when you were proposing to that person, the future was way less certain. But at the time of the proposal, divorce was never on the table. It was unfathomable. But fast forward, how could you not see the red flags? This is hindsight bias in action. And according to psychologists, it distorts our memory far more than we realize. Here's an experiment. In 1975, the psychologist Baruch Fischoff published a study where he asked participants to estimate the likelihoods of various outcomes for known historical events and the participants routinely 
estimated the actual outcomes as being over three times more likely than the objective measures suggested they were at the time. And then to double down on this and to make sure that there was a bias here, he then gave people short, basic accounts of historical events like the Vietnam War with fictional potential outcomes. So he said things like after the Vietnam War, there was a long protracted war that ensued or during the Vietnam War, there was a swift resolution within a few months or there was a troop withdrawal and then there was a stalemate or there was nuclear weapons used in the Vietnam War. Across the board, people routinely overestimated how likely the given outcome was when they were told it occurred. And the results are crystal clear. Once we as humans know the finale, we can't help but feel that we saw it coming all along, even if the finale never happened. Hindsight bias gives us what's called an illusion of predictability. We assume we should have known it was going to happen all along. And we see this distortion play out frequently. So investors kicking themselves for not betting on the obvious, say that in air quotes, 10x stock. Doctors who feel like a tricky diagnosis should have been clear based on the symptoms and maybe their peers are just idiots. Historians that weave events into an inevitable narrative and outcome or coaches like sports coaches that take credit for brilliant coaching decisions, even if they were just luck. But if we were in any of the original moments when we had the option to make the decision that these people should have made, in most cases, there was no real way to know what we should have done. There are too many variables and unknowns. Now, like all things that are modern and wise and insightful, a lot of them have been discovered for thousands of years. Hindsight bias is no different. It was noticed by philosophers way, way, way back, even without the official name. So the Roman philosopher Seneca, they, he warned us that we suffer more from imagination than from reality. The imagined clarity of hindsight bias fits this narrative perfectly. Confucius taught students that things that are done don't talk about, but things that are past don't blame. But when recalling the past, we talk and blame a lot. And then Buddhism's idea of the beginner's mind means approaching things without assumptions to see clearly. Hindsight bias pollutes our mind with the opposite narratives that distort reality. And modern psychology has made these intuitions into formal theories, which are precursors to hindsight bias, like confirmation bias, memory reconstruction, and cognitive dissonance, which I'll explain about in a second. So as both ancient wisdom and current science show, the future holds more uncertainty than our memories say. The confidence we place in hindsight proves predictability is an illusion, and it's one that humanity keeps falling for. Let's look at some of the cognitive underpinnings of hindsight bias. It arrives from normal functions of human cognition and memory. So hindsight bias, it's wired into how our minds work. Studies have uncovered key processes that steer us towards these distorted hindsight biases. So there's memory reconstruction. As humans, we don't record and replay memories like video recordings. We actively reconstruct them each time from whatever information is available. The reconstruction process of our memories, it leaves our memories open to huge 
changes, errors, biases. Um, in one study, the psychologist Daniel Schachter showed participants a list of words that all related to a common theme, but did not actually contain the theme word itself, just words associated with it. Later, when he was asking the participants to recall the list, people wrongly, quote unquote, remembered the missing theme word being included due to associating it so strongly with the other words. This is just one example of how we artificially reconstruct memories. Cognitive dissonance is another theory that applies to hindsight bias. So when our actions and beliefs don't line up with our desired self-image and values, it causes mental discomfort known as cognitive dissonance. Now, to reduce this discomfort, we subconsciously rewrite our memories of the situation to make our actions seem more aligned with our self-image. So if we do something that we didn't like, we sort of make up our own history because we want it to fit what we would have done because we want to feel good about ourselves. So uh, another study, psychologist Leon Festinger, he ran an experiment where he had participants perform a really boring, tedious task for an hour in exchange for a payment of either $1 or $20. Afterwards, the $1 per hour group actually rated the task as more interesting and engaging than the $20 per hour group did. The $1 group rewrote their memory of the task as less boring in order to make their cheap compensation better fit their negative experience because they suffered cognitive dissonance. They didn't want to admit in their head they did a boring thing for no money. So the very wiring of human memory leaves it full of potential for hindsight bias. The future is cloudy, but it's funny because hindsight always seems 2020, even though it's not. And hindsight bias is a very real problem. It plagues major societal institutions. In the legal system, studies show hindsight bias affects judgments. People, uh, so the courts, judges, jury, they see harmful events as more foreseeable and preventable when they know the negative outcome of that event. In organizations, in businesses, leaders evaluate past decisions differently based on results. So strategies that were seen as successes were, you know, these guaranteed winners all along and failures were doomed from the start, despite there was a massive amount of uncertainty at the time and there was potentially no way to really tell if something was gonna be a success or a failure. See, across society, narratives form that overemphasize the inevitability of past events. With hindsight bias, we see things like financial crises, political upsets, social changes as preordained. And the downstream effects of this bias are super concerning. It promotes massive amounts of overconfidence in predicting complex events. And it allows poor decisions made under uncertainty to be rationalized. And it also inhibits learning from our mistakes. On a personal level, hindsight bias prevents growth by making all of our choices seem predestined. On a societal level, it entrenches all these polarized narratives that really resist compromise. So by recognizing our shared hindsight biases, we can approach our future and society's future with more humility and openness. There are simply too many variables and unknowns to ever be 100% certain of what lies ahead. Here's a story. Imagine you're the coach of a football team and you have to make 
a crucial decision in the final seconds of the game. I want to take a second and thank Indeed. They're a huge sponsor of the Success Story podcast. And as business leaders, we're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. It's to match with Indeed. Now, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. You need to ditch the busy work. You need to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster all the tools you need are in one spot. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite. Now, as a business owner, I always remember when my company hits a growth spurt. It's great, but then you realize that things start to break. Things are taking three times as long. Manual processes start to bury your team in paperwork and admin, and you really don't have one reliable source of data or truth to understand how healthy your business is. If this sounds familiar, you have to know three numbers. 37,000, That's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years streamlining accounting, inventory, HR, and more for growing companies. And one, because your business truly is one of a kind, NetSuite gives you customized solutions so you can manage everything about your business in one place, from inventory to invoicing, one powerfully efficient system. I love having all of my data in one spot NetSuite allows me to do that. It gives me the big picture so I can make smarter decisions. And they turn complex financials into understandable, actionable insights. Right now, you can get NetSuite's popular KPI checklist for free to help improve your business. It's designed to help you boost performance across key areas of your business. Go to netsuite.com slash Clary to download the checklist and see how one complete system can transform your growth. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Get more control in your business with NetSuite. Just a quick question. Have you ever had one of those oh no moments when you realize that you accidentally deleted a huge file or worse, your whole computer dies? I know I have. It's happened to me a lot, but don't sweat it. The sponsor of today's episode, Backblaze, they have your back. It is unlimited backups for all your Macs, your PCs, or even your whole company. And it's really affordable under a hundred bucks a year. If you're running a business, they take the stress out of protecting everyone's data. If you need more bells and whistles for compliance, so on and so forth, they have enterprise options too. Honestly, losing data sucks, but Backblaze makes getting it back easy. They have restored billions of files. They offer tons of restore options, including rapid recovery in an event of data loss or ransomware. And you can access your backed up data from everywhere and anywhere in the world using their web app, iOS, or Android apps. It's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and tons more. And best, you can try it fully featured with no risk at backblaze.com slash story. They set up that link for all Success Story podcast listeners. That is a no-risk free trial at backblaze.com slash story. Seriously, 
back up your stuff. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. I want to thank Belay for sponsoring today's episode. They provide solutions that all of us need. They help us get back more of our time because time is the most precious resource. A lot of you listening our business leaders, entrepreneurs, you know that if you spend your time incorrectly, it can make or break your business, your personal, professional relationships. It can completely sidetrack you and stop you from reaching your goals. So I'm going to ask you, are you protecting your time? How much of your day is eaten up by tasks that could have been done by someone else? Wouldn't you rather spend your time on things that truly matter? The answer should be yes, because you have to, to move the needle on whatever it is you're trying to build. That's where Belay comes in. They are the nation's largest pool of exceptional U.S.-based talent. Belay offers flexible staffing solutions to free you up. Need a virtual assistant to conquer those pesky administrative tasks or maybe an accounting professional to really keep your finances in order? Belay can help with all that and way more. Their personalized matching process saves you the headache of hiring by finding the perfect match for your needs in as little as a week. Focus on what matters the most with the help from Belay. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to learn more and get started. You have two options, run the ball, throw a pass. Which one do you choose? And you may think that the answer depends on the outcome, right? If you run the ball and score, you made the right decision. If you throw a pass and it gets intercepted, well, you made a bad decision, but this is not true. See, the outcome is not the only thing that matters. The process is also important. You have to consider the probabilities and the information you have at the time. You have to weigh the risks and rewards of each option and you have to make the best decision you can with the facts that you have. See, the football scenario is not a hypothetical situation, but a real one that happened in Super Bowl 49 between the Seattle Seahawks and New England Patriots. Now, this is one of my favorite examples that I found in the book Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke. The Seahawks coach, Pete Carroll, decided to throw a pass in the final seconds of the game instead of running the ball. The pass was intercepted by Malcolm Butler, and the Seahawks lost the game. Now, Many people criticized Carroll's decision as the worst in Super Bowl history and blamed him for the outcome. But was it really a bad decision? It actually wasn't. See, it was a reasonable decision based on the probabilities and the information that he had at the time. According to a study by Brian Burke, there was actually a study done on this particular play. Throwing a pass in that situation had a slightly higher chance of winning than running the ball. 
Moreover, throwing a pass had a lower risk of losing time or being stopped by the defense. The interception was a rare and unlucky event, not an inevitable one. Judging Carroll's decision by its outcome is an example of resulting and hindsight bias. It's unfair and irrational to blame him for something that was beyond his control. It's also unproductive and unhelpful to learn from this kind of feedback. To avoid resulting in hindsight bias, we have to focus on the process, not the outcome. And what we can actually do, I'll get into some more uh, very tactical things later, but we can ask ourselves questions uh, when we review our past mistake, our past mistakes, I guess our past decisions, some of them mistakes, some of them not, like what information did I have when I made the decision? What alternatives did I consider? What assumptions did I make? What criteria did I use to evaluate the options? How confident was I in my decision? What feedback did I get after the decision? These questions can help us assess the quality of our decision-making process, and then we identify areas for improvement. They can also help us separate skill from luck and recognize when we were right or wrong for the right or wrong reasons. And when we do this, we can improve our thinking, make smarter decisions, when we don't have all the facts. Now, although hindsight bias is ingrained in our minds, there is some research and there's some strategy that shows us how we can counteract it. We leverage wisdom uh, from philosophy, process, and psychology. And let's draw some inspiration from some major players that proactively have to deal with this. So the United States Army, they do something called a pre-mortem analysis. So groups in the Army imagine all these potential failure options to identify flaws in the decision before they make a commitment to the strategy. Google incentivizes effective processes over outcomes and they reward decision quality itself rather than the resulting success and this prevents distorted evaluations and postmortems. NASA promotes psychological safety and encourages open discussions of failures and it reduces defensive hindsight distortions because you're going to have all these different opinions coming in. Uh, the British intelligence agencies convene an accountable task force, which is a, an outside, unbiased group of experts that review operations and it really counters any personal hindsight biases or agendas. And a, a last example would be um, award-winning journalists. They mandate fact-checking, or they really should, and they verify memories against their documented records to help control biases. Now, you'll notice a common theme, an obsession with recording the true conditions, data, facts, in the moment a decision is being made to counter the brain's natural tendencies to create alternate realities and facts with biased historical data. Now, on a micro scale, you're wondering, okay, how do I remove hindsight bias from my own life? Well, here's some strategies that I use and hopefully you can use as well. So one strategy is to envision multiple histories when you evaluate the past. You have to fully immerse yourself in how events could have unfurled and come about differently. So you think through all these different possible outcomes. A lot of philosophers do this to counter overly simplistic narratives. Another thing you should always do in life is to cultivate a beginner's mindset. You can do this through meditation. Uh, there's certain exercises that can help you with your clarity of thought and your ability to approach a situation with a beginner's mindset. But basically, you go into a situation getting rid of all assumptions and you have to see 
the situation in its reality, in its clarity, in the moment. So you remove all these preconceived notions going into a situation and you just focus on what you're observing, what you're seeing, what you're witnessing. Um, you can you can focus on your decision making process. So you're vetting all the alternatives, all the information, you're weighing all the information so that you do make the best possible decision in the moment with all the pieces of information that you have access to. Um, you can also reframe disappointments as growth opportunities. So say you made a bad decision in the past. Instead of just saying, oh my God, I should have known, you're using it as fuel for learning. So you're not letting that become a wasted opportunity. You're actually letting it be this educational moment where you can now expand your skill set, your wisdom, your decision-making process um, so that hopefully you don't make the same mistake again. You can also record your thoughts and your decisions daily. Um, obviously, it's hard to do this with everything, but with major decisions, uh, work, um, family, uh, relationship, health, wellness, record your thoughts and facts available on major life-altering decisions so that you ground your memories in documented facts, not just biased recall. Journalists do this all the time to defeat distortion. And lastly, you should surround yourself with mentors, peers, friends, family that can challenge your assumptions and provide external perspective, both during a decision-making process as well as after a decision may have not gone so well. I bet you your closest friends, peers, mentors can pinpoint exactly why it didn't go well. And maybe you do know it internally, but you just don't want to admit it. And then lastly, you have to really, really rigorously assess decisions on the process. So were choices thoroughly vetted? Was data appropriately weighted? You have to ask the hard questions. There's actually a concept that I refer to as the hindsight horizon when you're thinking about this bias. So the idea is that we each have a horizon dictating how far we can objectively see into the past. And there's things that limit our horizon that are fixed. So our cognitive wiring, our, the culture that we're born into, uh, other uncontrollable events, but much of our hindsight horizon is within our control. So when we do some of the things that I just mentioned, our habits and our behaviors or lack thereof can cloud our horizon, which will obscure the past behind bias. Or if we action some of the things that I just brought up, they can expand our horizon, bringing objectivity into clearer view. And those that are overcoming hindsight bias regularly and learning from their mistakes, they really grasp this. They question their assumptions when recalling the past and they focus on sound decision processes over the results. They view failures as chances to widen their horizon. And in essence, they've engineered an expansive hindsight horizon and their view of the past can now be more objective and accurate. So you really, your goal is to, in the context of this horizon, this hindsight horizon, you wanna reduce fog. You wanna watch for ego, dogma, pessimism, anything clouding this unbiased inquiry, and then you want to amplify clarity. You want to seek diverse views. You want to document facts. You want to reward good processes, anything bringing objectivity into focus. Remember, with the hindsight bias, 
and the hindsight horizon rule that you can use when battling hindsight bias, if you're trying to choose a path in your day-to-day, in your habits, in your processes, take the one that offers the clearest view of the path. Ask yourself, where is my vision most objective and head there? It'll allow you to learn from the past and make better decisions for the future.